In the name of Jesus, Amen. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, and Cappadocians, Parthians, Phrygians, Egyptians, Libyans, Cretans, Arabs, and folks on holiday from Rome. That's quite a list. It's a list I imagine geographers and ethnographers could have all sorts of fun parsing. But since that would likely be less fun for most of us, suffice it to say that is people, that's a bunch of people from all over the place. East of Jerusalem, north, south, uh, west, all around, different people, different cultures, different custom, different histories, expectations, different clothing, I'm sure. Perhaps it looked a little bit something like the opening ceremonies uh, of the Olympics, all in their, their native dress. And of course, the different languages, that's key here. They all knew Greek, that was the lingua franca of the day, and they, they likely used it when they needed to. But I imagine they kept to their native groups and languages when they didn't need to. That's what folks generally do. Especially in new places, we find people who look and sound most like us, and we stick with them. I met the guy who became my best friend in college because he was wearing a Detroit Tigers hat at the orientation day. There's someone like me, I said. So I imagine that's kind of what's going on in Jerusalem. It's 50 days after Passover, circa AD 30, different people in their their different groups. I mentioned the folks from from Rome that they were there on holiday, but that's really true of everyone there. They were all there on holiday, all there to celebrate the big holy day of Pentecost, sometimes called the Feast of Weeks, because it happens uh, the day after, a week of weeks after Passover, so 49 days with another one, 50 days. Big harvest festival, devout Jews come together to come to the temple and... Uh, give to God, present to God the first fruits of the wheat harvest. Great big party, people from all over the place. Um, since travel is not the easiest thing in the world, and Passover, another big feast in the in Jerusalem, was just 50 days before, probably some of the same people were at both festivals. That Passover, of course, we know, was the Passover at which Jesus was crucified. So perhaps some of those people had heard rumors of that. Maybe... Maybe even some of the same people at the Pentecost event were folks who had called for for Jesus' crucifixion. But they're all there. Anyway, it's, it's it's at this time. It's 10 days after Jesus had ascended into heaven. We heard that last week. The disciples gathered all together. A sound like a great wind fills the room where they are. Tongues like fire on their heads. The Holy Spirit fills them up and they start pouring out, speaking, declaring the mighty works of God, not in Greek, but in these languages they've never learned. And what's most interesting, what's most interesting here, I think, is the people's response to what they hear. Uh, Of course, first they say, oh, these guys are drunk. No, they're not drunk. Only nine in the morning, says Peter. They're amazed by the languages, yes. They know, oh, the schools up in Galilee where these guys are all from, not very good. Where do they learn to, to speak like this? But what seems most 
astonishing to them, what most impresses them is the very fact that they are, this motley group, is all drawn together. I don't know if you caught it, but it's important, I think, and something I focused on in reading the text this year, is that long list of names. It's not given by the, the narrator. It's not as if he says, now once upon a time there were Elamites and Medes and Parthians and Phrygians. No, that long list of names, that long list is what the people themselves are saying, what they themselves are most noticing. They're like, holy cow, there's Parthians and Medes from the backwoods listening right alongside the city slickers from Rome. (laughs) And here's something you don't see every day, deep south Arabs rubbing shoulders with up north Yankees from Cappadocia. That never happens. But here we are, they say, all these differences, all hearing, all captivated by the very same thing. What's going on? (laughs) All these differences. Now there, there's something we can relate to. The political divides. The anger even hatred elicited by the mere mention of a name or seeing a a bumper sticker on a car. All the other stuff that tears us apart. Stuff we're all too aware of going on right now. Stuff even though you all know exactly what I'm talking about, it's actually hard for me anyway even to talk about mostly for fear of not talking about it right or right enough. Fear that anything I say or or someone might say will just make for more anger and hatred. I've been following a a conversation on on Facebook and the the community Facebook page for the the community where where I live. Uh, It's about George Floyd. And everyone on there seems to kind of agree that that's a, a horrible tragedy and a murder that demands justice. But a bunch of peripheral issues have come up. A bunch of peripheral issues uh, have come up in this conversation, which is really the wrong word, because the folks participating might as well be speaking different languages. You may have been part of such a thing yourself from time to time. So this, for about 30 seconds in March, it looked like dealing with the coronavirus thing might, might bring people together somehow. Even saw some articles about that. A common enemy kind of thing. Now just more fodder for fighting. As you probably know, we decided to open up the doors of our church to on-site worship beginning next week. And that was a hard decision. And not really because of the sort of planning we have to do and precautions we'll, we'll take. But mostly, even at least for me, because of how opening or not might be viewed. Last week and the same day, I received an email, not from a member, uh, an email saying the fact that we, our church, ever closed at all showed that all the folks at Emmanuel had given in to godless communism. (laughs) How dare you give in to the government telling you to close? And then the same day, read more than one post um, from Facebook friends arguing that churches that do open don't care about old people. (laughs) 
So there you have it. I guess I'm either a communist or hate grandma, a Marxist or a murderer. And that's just a little taste, a small taste of all the things we've all gotten plenty of tastes of because we've all also got plenty of experience cooking and serving it up. All dragged in and drugged by the divisions. All too willing participants in what Sigmund Freud called the narcissism of small differences. The narcissism of small... How I use those differences to turn in on myself. A telling phrase. All victims to the hubris, ultimately an idolatry of the self. That makes us think we know more and better think that we have to know more and better than we actually do, probably to make ourselves feel safe. And then spit on everyone. Murderer, Marxist. Who knows and sees things differently. Full disclosure, I'm not so convinced that my little diagnosis there of the tribalism is all that right. I'm sure it shows my own blindness and, and heck, maybe even me talking about it is just my need to pretend to know more than I do. Who knows? So take it or leave it. But take this. For a couple of thousand years or so, there's been something afoot in the cosmos that somehow overcomes, at least begins to overcome all those differences. Back at that first Pentecost, the cowboy-booted guy from the farm in Parthia and the woman in the Jimmy Choo heels from 2,000 miles away in Rome had little in common. They likely had significantly different takes on the issues of the day. Their votes canceled one another out, and they went to different protests. And yet there they are. There they find themselves. Amazed to be drawn together. Yes, by the miracle of those languages, but more miraculously drawn together by a word and a message that made all their no matter what differences small. Again, some might think that the big miracle of Pentecost was those languages, but speaking all those languages, cool, but there's an app for that. (laughs) But for the things that really divide, the things that most easily turn even common words into weapons, there's no app for that. What you need for that is what those people heard. They said, we are here, we are drawn together because we are hearing proclaimed the mighty works of God. What it takes to overcome those differences which should turn normal words into weapons is the mighty work of God and the mightiest work of all. God in the flesh himself, Jesus. And that, he is the true, all-transcending miracle of Pentecost. God's spirit, the gracious, forgiving, renewing spirit of Jesus poured out on all flesh. That's that prophecy Peter brings up. Poured out on all flesh, on sons and daughters, on dreamy geezers and visionary youngins, on those slaving away at the mill and those winding down the club. For all of them, says Peter, Pontics and Romans, Cretans and Arabs, everyone, all of you need Jesus. 
All of you long for him, whether you know it or not, for his grace, for his forgiveness, for forgiveness that gives you the space to repent. For no matter what welcome, which is always there with open arms, everyone, he says, everyone who calls on the name of this Jesus shall be saved, shall be safe, shall have an eternal safety no tribe can ever give. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the all-transcending, miraculous power of Pentecost. You know, you are a mighty work of God, speaking of mighty works of God. You, you and everyone watching this right now, wherever you are or listening, you are a mighty work of God. Yes, you are a broken sinner whose brokenness and sin, just like mine, shows its face in all the narcissism and tribalism and division I tried to sound smart about a minute ago. But you are also a mighty work of God because God has worked and is working mightily on you. In fact, he's working on you mightily right now when I say this, I declare to you the full and free forgiveness of all your sins in the name of Jesus and in him you are safe now and forever. Mighty work. You know who else is a mighty who else is a mighty work of God? Everyone you've ever met. <laughs> and everyone you really don't want to meet because they're really hard to love and they make your skin crawl. They're a mighty work of God too. He or she is one whom God longs to work his gracious power. Your arch nemesis from high school, mighty work. The vindictive woman from the neighborhood, mighty work of God. Marxist and murderer, grandma haters and godless communists, mask wearing or not, open or closed. All more alike than different because almighty works of God. So much so that there is no one you can look at and say we are more different than we are the same. Think of that. No one you can look at and say they are so different from me. At whom you must not also look and say, but we are more the same. That's because our sameness is our need for Jesusness. Our longing to hear and experience the mighty work of God, thirsting for lasting love and eternal life, which is always there for free. We could say more about Pentecost. A lot of astonishing things about the Holy Spirit poured into the disciples and the words that poured out of them. But as it happened, it seems that what most astonished those folks there was that such different folks were somehow drawn together. They were drawn together by a common brokenness and a common need and a common wonder. It's a God who loved each of them mightily. And there's a lot going on in our world right now. Painful, tragic, confusing, scary. We have a lot of work to do as individuals, as communities. But take this with you. The same God who has poured out at that Pentecost has poured out his spirit today. 
He's the God who loves you mightily and forgivingly and foreverly. And he loves with extra might those you find it mighty hard to love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.